Welcome to episode 120 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. This episode, we hung out with Adam Polselli. He's probably best known for his work on Dropbox as a, as a design lead there, and also Audio previously, where he worked with Wilson Miner and Ryan Sims. And He is the connector. Uh, we had a super good conversation. Before we get into it, two things. First, uh, we announced sort of something on Friday that we're going to be building for spec. Uh, we're calling it Spectrum. We've been playing this for almost a year now. Yeah, it's it's a new community for everyone, not just designers. Certainly, Brent and I will approach it from a design angle, uh, but it's called Spectrum. We're still working on what it's going to be. At its core, we know we want it to be a community place for people to, to talk and help level up. Think our Slack community, which has 4,000 some plus people. It's like spec. Spec is not just design. In fact, it's primarily engineering. But I think spreading across that spectrum, and we've been talking about getting some project managers kind of content in. We've talked about getting some business stuff. um, Just business stuff. Well, I mean, that's a (laughs) big part of what we do, right? (laughs) So we're trying to expand in that direction, and we want this to be a place where people can go and feel like they're at home anyway. That's been a big problem with a lot of the communities out there is people can't feel like they belong. So I think that a strong piece of that is like having a good code of conduct, which we already have, thanks to Paul Straw, and like who is excellent at writing those, by the way. And I don't know, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. So as as the the Slack team continues to balloon, we realize we need sort of our surface for that. So we're working on it. It's going to be called Spectrum. There are 4,200 people in there, and you only get a rolling 10,000 messages. Yeah. That doesn't take long to change. It's not Switch ideal. Over, so. Um, if this sounds interesting at all, as vague as it as it is right now, uh, follow us on Twitter at SpecFM. We'll be posting updates or just follow Bryn and I. We want it to be built transparently and with the community involved. So uh, as we have updates, we'll be sharing those and getting more feedback from you. Uh, but that's enough on that for now. Before we get into today's episode, we want to thank our sponsors for making the show possible. This episode, oh, I love these sponsors, Dropbox and Etsy the best. First up, Dropbox. It's the simplest way to do what you want. You're going to hear a ton from Adam actually about how Dropbox is trying to do these things, but the sponsorship, the house, the guest are completely unrelated other than that they work together. <laughs> like It just so happened to be that way. Um, Dropbox has been super supportive of us. As many of you know, you've heard about them like twice a week for the last, I don't know how long. Uh, but while you're sketching, coding, prototyping, and as Adam's about to tell you, a bunch of other things, Dropbox is kind of with you throughout the entire process. Like they handle everything for you and take the effort out of the way. They sync your files. They make it easy to collaborate. They keep your stuff safe and synced across all of your devices. It's a beautifully simple tool. Uh, They've got a lot in progress, which of course uh, we're going to be digging into a little bit in today's episode. Uh, But we're huge fans and we couldn't be more thankful to have them supporting this show and also providing a tool that we need to actually make this thing possible. We use Dropbox every day. So huge thanks to Dropbox for making this episode possible. Go check them out at dropbox.com. Our second sponsor is Etsy. Very excited to have Etsy on board. Etsy seems to be a company made up like entirely of friends. (laughs) Like it is a company of friends. They are now our friends. And they are hiring, so you can be their friends. Yeah, they're hiring product designers in New York City. Uh, They work out of Brooklyn at a gorgeous office in Dumbo. We got to visit there in November and meet up with their crew. Their team is amazing. They're doing really awesome work with a strong creative brand. It's an open-minded environment, uh, low egos. Everyone there is just rad and just cares about doing good work. And you'll have impact. There are so many people that use Etsy. They, they make their living off it, right? Like some people do side projects with it. Some people make an actual living. Some people sell game pieces and dragon-shaped dice rollers for Dungeons and & Dragons. And those are the coolest shit ever. They just launched a new product, which enables companies to, to make their own kind of websites that let them sell stuff with Etsy. That's great. Storefront websites, just ready for you. Your own thing. So you'll have an impact. You can learn more by going to etsy.com slash careers. We love their team. Join them. You will love their team uh, and have impact on an amazing product that's growing and impacting millions of people. Thanks so much to Etsy for sponsoring the show. And with that, let's get into episode 120 with Adam Pulselli. 
Uh, so hi, I'm Adam Pulselli, uh, product designer and design lead at Dropbox. Uh, and like most designers, I didn't study design. I studied film and video and I wanted to be a movie director. And now I build a product that movie directors use so kind to make of... movies. So it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Basically a director, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's pretty awesome. Cool. What are you working on at Dropbox? <laughs> so I oversee a team. Um, so we've got three product pillars, we call them. Um, and I oversee the design team uh, working in the productivity pillar, it's called. Um, so it's a team of researchers, writers, product designers, and we are, our mission is to really transform the way people work together on files. Um, so a lot of work on the core Dropbox product, trying to transform the mobile app to be something that's more useful every day, um, transform the desktop app to be same thing, more valuable every day, more of a desktop presence. Um, there's sort of a theme um, this year, at least for us in foregrounding Dropbox more. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> that, about that. surprising that. to me. <laughs> yeah, that is surprising. Why is that surprising? Because Dropbox, for the longest time, was touted for its ability to be in the background yeah. and be yeah. invisible. So like one of the like most obvious strengths is it, it works so well as yeah. being a background thing. Totally. And you're really like hitting on sort of one of the challenges I think we'll face is doing that in a way um, that doesn't sort of change how people think about us uh, as a mm -hmm. product that a product that just works is how we're often described. Um, you know, a product that's kind of in the background and gets out of your way. So there's going to be sort of this, I wouldn't call it a careful dance, but we want to be really thoughtful about how we go about this, um, making sure that we're really providing like some high value for you so that you're like, yeah, this makes sense. And I'm glad they're doing this. And um, Dropbox is providing me more value more frequently. Can you talk a little bit about how your team at least is going to go about that and how do you measure that, right? How do you measure that you've provided more value? Yeah. Is, um, it, is it files I mean, synced? People don't go walk around like, man, Dropbox <laughs> provided me more value today. Yeah. I mean, you could slice this a thousand ways. If you want to take like the metrics cut, you just look at are people using your product more frequently, like engaging with it more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, that has to be hard for you guys too because it, like, it just runs in the background. Yeah, they, it, they just run it. <laughs> they don't think about it. But there's all these engagement points you can measure, right? That's true. Like how often you you open a file, edit a file, um, share things. Um, how often you're touching Dropbox, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we really think about like user first, and so it's not about um, how do we make you use Dropbox more. It's about how does Dropbox provide more value for you. Can you? Share a little bit about that mindset shift from backgrounding to foregrounding this yeah. year. I don't think it's been, it's not contentious. Um, but like I said, we know that we want to be thoughtful about it. Um, and really just, it sounds cliche, but like be user first, not do it because it's good for us, but do it because we really think that we can provide a lot more to the people that love Dropbox already. I mean, it's kind of incredible to me, what people are already able to accomplish with Dropbox. Um, so for example, I study film. I love movies. I really wanted, actually wanted to be a music video director. Like I really watch that Beyonce. specific. I watch Beyonce's music videos and I'm like, I could have done that. <laughs> that could have been me. That could have <laughs> been <me>. Director X. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not too late. Um, however, <laughs> we, so we polled or like surveyed uh, the filmmakers going to Sundance this year and I think 65% of them said that they used Dropbox to make their movie which is just really cool to me um, yeah sure I'm not like a movie director but it's cool to build a product that people are using to to do stuff as cool as you know to me make movies um, that millions of people see um, well how else do you like manage that amount of storage like among like a multi-person team totally like that's I don't know what else you would do the ship discs <laughs> yep people still yeah people still do that but yeah they love dropbox for this stuff and really the product is so simple still it's like it's shared folders and you put stuff into these shared folders and it makes it accessible to everyone and it makes it accessible on every device it's like a pretty basic 
pretty like almost like stupid, simple product. Right. Um, and people are accomplishing really, really incredible things with this. Um, and so something that I'm excited about is that as we foreground the app and um, find more ways to provide more valuable, more value, think of, think of what people will be able to accomplish if they can do this with a shared folder. That's exciting to me. We should back up. Yeah. Before your dreams of <laughs> filming music videos. Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, so I'm from Michigan, a, a really cute, nice small town. Um, there's called Bloomfield Hills. I lived... That sounds like a really cute small town. That sounds like a Sonic the Hedgehog level. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks Hills. like a Sonic the Hedgehog level. There's like rolling hills. Uh, Loop-de-loops. Robotic bees. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lived there, lived there until I went to school. And you studied an hour away, where I studied oh, film go. and video at the University of Michigan, um, and then moved to San Francisco. Whoa, 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 whoa! Like immediately? I'm going too fast. You're going too fast. How'd you get into film? I am 29, and I grew up watching Total Request live on MTV. It was a phenomenon <laughs> for me, at least. Uh, literally, would race home from school, uh, turn on TRL with my sister, and. Did you start as wanting to be a VJ or a music video director? Oh, director for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an in front of the you camera person. You weren't like person. Carson Daly? No, no, no. Hell no. Uh, <laughs> Lala? <laughs> you watched it too, didn't you? Oh, of course I did. <laughs> um, so over my head. Yeah, so Brian, <laughs> Brian you're 24. <laughs> for, for listeners that didn't watch Total Request Live, it was TRL. a music video. TRL for people in the know. Um, <laughs> It was a music video <laughs> countdown where they aired 10 videos only, right? Something like that. 10 most requested videos of the day. It yep. was basically, yeah, it was it was all like pop, hip hop, yep. R&B, whatever was like popular back then. Um, back when MTV just, did music videos. Yeah. Back in the good old days. I think that's, that's where it started. Like, and then how did I get into like more like movies? I Good know, question. I just, I just love movies. I, everyone <laughs> who doesn't love movies, who doesn't um, love movies, and you know the thought of making them just seemed like pretty cool. There wasn't there much more than that. Like it looked really fun. Sure, the magic of it, like you know, it's cheesy, but like movie magic, it's really incredible. Like what you can pull off. It makes people feel things. Like this, this feels very like cheesily like close to this whole empathy thing that we try to strive for like make people feel things with like our work oh yeah i mean it's storytelling like 101 that's what it is and and i think that's something i could go on and on about like some of the stuff that i learned uh studying film and video that i think still actually applies and one of those things is um yeah how to tell a story how to like a narrative arc how to make people feel something like you said um so that's 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 how i got into movies but you didn't end up pursuing it no, so let's see. So that was your major? It was my major. Um, we don't need to say more. It was my major. <laughs> I mean, okay. mine was music. So like, I'm... You get it. Yeah. I mean, it was really fascinating. You. And um, I don't know if I ever truly believed like I'd be able to make a career of it, but I was I was excited by it. And um, I was always like taught, at least by my parents, to to follow what like you're interested in. So, yeah. so I did that sort of blindly. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be a movie director. I had to break into that Detroit film scene. <laughs> you know, there might be one now. Don't tease. <laughs> <laughs> is, there a, is there a Detroit scene period? Uh, there is a Detroit scene. Detroit's on the up and up for sure. I don't get back that often, but um, yeah, shout out to Detroit. <laughs> um, but a lot of movies are shot there. I think they were doing like some tax breaks to shoot in Detroit. So um it's also like a really good setting because it's really like run down and old and it can be sort of like a Urban post-apocalyptic <laughs> setting. They don't have water. Walking dead kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They've probably shot there. <laughs> um, let's see. I went to LA. Oh, I'm not, I don't want to offend some people, but I went to LA to take some classes at USC, which is like a pretty premier school for film type I'm, stuff. I have a bunch of coworkers from there. Yeah. Um, I'm offended, so... I took the coolest class. I took a music video directing class and we got to talk to some of like the best music video directors of all time. Uh, Joseph Kahn, who did Britney Spears Toxic. It's a okay. legendary video. Yep. Uh, Mark Romanek, who did Nine Inch Nails Closer. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really, really cool. But I didn't love uh, Los Angeles and 
I didn't. Because it's a hangover it. disguised in <laughs> a city. You said it. <laughs> um, now you don't have to offend anyone. Yeah, I, I didn't like love the city. I didn't love sort of. It was kind of a scene. The industry is really tough, and it just it didn't seem for me like I. Designers kind of just have an intuition, and they're not always great at explaining things. And um, my intuition was just like, this isn't this isn't my path. So what'd you do? So I graduated, and four months later, I moved to San Francisco. The rest is history. Why? Okay, so you, <laughs> why San Francisco? <laughs> did you finish school in Detroit or in, uh, at U of M? Yeah, I did. And then you came to USC, and then did you finish another thing there? No. So USC was like a summer course. Okay, summer. Got it. It's cool. Um, so web design was always a hobby. I loved the internet. I loved like the early days of the internet, uh, angel fire, GeoCities. You could poke around and like pretty easily learn how to make one of these web pages, these things. Um, and so I spent a lot of time on my computer, um, nerding out and just like understanding how that stuff worked. I just remember like this feeling of empowerment of like, I can like, I, I can build one of these things and like you just kind of felt the power of it. And like, just by tinkering with it, you could create something, right? I'm sure like other people had a similar experience with maybe less digital types of things. So this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately because I feel like our generation had this same experience over and over and over. Yeah. Like I figured out how to inspect element and GeoCities was right. there and Angel Fire and like this all worked. Right. What young designers these days, like people who are like 20? Yeah. What is the like equivalent for that? I would say I younger no than idea. that. I would it's say younger question. than that, especially well, as the world anything, goes mobile, yeah. right? You can't. Yeah. I'm saying anything younger than 20. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no inspect element on I their I figured apps. out how right. to like right. add more things into Snapchat. Like, I, I don't fucking know. I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, the internet's still there, right? And you can you can still Google these things, how to make an app. And so... I feel like it's like in your face, though. Yeah. How do I mean, you mean? <laughs> like... I have friends with kids who know more about like building websites than I do. I feel like <laughs> it just—I'm not that bad at it. Like yeah. I'm pretty good, like HTML and CSS. But these kids, like, oh hey, I'm going to do this thing now. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what it means. I think, at least for me, and probably ninety percent of the people we've had on this show was some sort of inspect element story, some yeah. sort of building a, <laughs> a, a band like website, the inspect, the inspect element, element story. story. That's yeah. How it starts. And actually, we were talking about this with Dylan Field on his episode about, like, he's kind of curious. Uh, he's the CEO of Figma. Yes, um, of course. It was sort of like this path that so many of us have taken where it started with code and ended up, oh, we're product designers, whatever that means. Right. Uh, what does the inverse story look like? What so even is design? So maybe that's <laughs> the case. Maybe Maybe the next generation looks at well-crafted apps and apps that they use a lot and they think, wow, this is designed really well. And then they go to the code, right? Yeah. Instead of the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. If designers should even code. Hmm. 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 Who said they were designers? <laughs> 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 okay. Let's get back on track. Uh, you ended up in San Francisco. I did. How'd uh, that happen? So yeah, uh, I told my inspect element story. Um, and so it was it was a hobby through, through all of college, through all of school. Um, and so I have this habit of like kind of going through life without self-reflecting that much. And so I really have to like dig deep sometimes to remember why exactly I thought like San Francisco was good. I think it had something to do with spending a lot of time online and just being kind of fascinated by Facebook, um, really interested in Twitter at the time. This would have been 2008. So Twitter was like kind of growing in popularity. Um, and I think around 2008, like there really started to become this thing, the product designer. I think Facebook kind of kicked it off, according to Saleo. Um, classic Saleo. <laughs> classic Saleo. I think he has said sort of that's where this idea of a product designer, at least like a software product designer that works on products that people use, apps, um, kind Rather of, kind of came. Yeah, and I guess I remember reading about this is this is a thing, and um, web design is kind of similar. And at Facebook at the time. Um, the designers were also like the, 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 the coders. Um, so I think that's like kind of all it was. And I was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I don't want to make movies anymore. Um, were you, did you not want to, or had you just been like, well, I got to do something else. I wanted to find something else. I think if someone like was a, like, a, a Hey, career. come direct my music video. Would you do it like right now? 
Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if I, wanna, I can, if I just want to clear that time. Because <laughs> I know I'm going to get like a bunch of requests now. Dude, pull Sally request live. Musician, <laughs> musicians, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, that, that's that's why. I didn't know a single person in San Francisco. Yeah, um, tell me about that. I didn't, I'd never been to San Francisco. So I came with my mom, um, who I love, who's very supportive. Um, and like two days later, I Is that the to, first mom shout out we've gotten on the show? I think that's the first mom shout out. Yes. Dude. That's well terrible. No, Everyone well, should be shouting out to their moms. Shout out my mom. Shout out mom. Shout out mom. Um, yeah, she came with me. She supported me. She wasn't like, you are crazy. She was like, cool. I guess she like just trusted my my intuition that like this was going to work out somehow. So I found a place um, and that was sort of that was sort of it. I went home, packed up my stuff and came out probably a few weeks later. Did you have a job? Did not have a job. What? Circa 2008. Circa 2008. Holy uh, shit. Yeah. I imagine that the housing market was about eight years different. Yes. But I don't know what that means. <laughs> like when I think of San Francisco, no yeah. matter what year it is, it yeah. seems pretty expensive. Uh, in retrospect or relative to what it is now, it was very, very cheap. Okay. Um, but I remember at the time I was paying, let's see, more than twice what my rent was in Michigan. So it seemed very expensive. Right. Um, but it seemed just like a chance worth taking. I mean, it, I, I didn't know what else I was going to do. So I was just going to make this happen. Um, so it's the only option. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's something that it's hard to explain, but yeah. sometimes things are just like, it's what is going to happen. Yeah. Were you worried at all? No. No worry? No. Okay. So talk me through this. You, <laughs> chill Sully. Chill Sully. Not at first. Not at first. Yeah. Let's say that. So You I, got here, no job, like so double free, your rent. Doing, doing some freelancing, <laughs> Okay. Um, which isn't paying all the bills, um, but like enough that- Like freelance GeoCity building? <laughs> there was no GeoCity. Well, no, there probably was, but no, it was probably like- WordPress websites. Yeah, there you go. So doing some of that, um, I remember, so I must have moved here September 08, uh, maybe like three months in, um, starting to feel like, you know, you're getting calls from mom and dad, like, so what's going on? Like, what are you doing all day in San Francisco? <laughs> like, have you met friends? Um, I'm working on the internet, mom. <laughs> that started to feel, that started to make me, not nervous, but feel a pressure to like have a, a better story than like, I'm I'm still looking and I'm freelancing. Um, yeah, I started to feel that pain. So what'd you do? Um, so I believe it started with an email from Soleo. Uh, I didn't know who he was at the time, but he worked at Facebook, which seemed pretty cool. Um, and it was like, I think let's take, like, can we take a call and um, talk shop? This is like Soleo's line, like, let's just talk shop. Um, his other move is to tell you you're going to talk shop and then you and find yourself in an interview. <laughs> so can I do the crossover reference here? Yeah, please. Have do. you seen the Facebook MTV special where Soleo is in it? No, it's amazing. Wait, I haven't it's seen that. So okay. good. YouTube. Can I, I find, find it? Yeah, it's on YouTube. <laughs> I found my current boss. Like Cribs? In it. Like MTV Cribs? It wasn't Facebook? Cribs. It was like the story of Facebook. But like it was like what a wow. day or like what a week is like inside Facebook. It was That's like an hour cool. long special. Really, very funny. way back then. Very funny. That's cool. Like yeah, had to be. That is pretty cool. Like two thousand nine, maybe. Yeah, hmm. they should do more shows like that. Very funny. Yeah, like it's, it's so funny seeing like all like our older friends like yeah. their baby face versions of themselves. Like yeah, highly entertaining. <laughs> um, so, anyways, chatted with Saleo. Uh, found yeah. yourself in an interview. Yeah, it was sort of like a design exercise. Um, showed me like a screenshot of, it looked like a story unit or something, whatever they were called back then. And he was like, how would you code this in CSS? And I had to like explain it over over the phone. Um, Interesting. That was the test? Uh, it was a screen, I suppose. That's what you would call it now. But it was like a, yeah. Um, I remember thinking I like maybe didn't do well. Um, but then I got called to come in. This is so embarrassing. I wore like a really nice shirt and like black pants and a tie because <gasps> I was that naive. I could just, see that. I could see it. You'd never seen Mark before. No. Didn't realize that he wore. Maybe I hadn't. I just, <laughs> Not that. I, you know, like you, when you're, how old was I? 21, 22. And you have an interview 
Yeah. I call your mom. Yeah. And you're like, what do I wear? And my mom's like, you wear something nice. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and that was I dressed great. as a waiter for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like, oh, Shit, everyone here is wearing t-shirts. <laughs> Shit. Um, anyways, go down, interview, um, talk to some really cool people, and ultimately they passed on me. Um, and I wasn't surprised, but I was bummed. Um, I probably flunked like a, a coding question they had, something about JavaScript, because um, I wasn't very, very great with that stuff. So that was a downer. And then, yeah, I found this, this other guy got in touch with me maybe a month after that. And I had, I had my first job in San Francisco as a, basically a graphic designer at a startup. Um, what was the startup? It was called socialmedia.com. Holy shit. Yeah. It was like a- On the nose. So you basically got <laughs> Facebook is what you're saying. <laughs> it was a, like a social ad platform. Um, so I was doing like a lot of speculative design work that we would use to sort of uh, pitch to clients. How do you feel about spec work? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have a strong opinion about it. I was, honestly, all I thought at the time was, this is awesome. I'm getting paid- I can pay my rent. I can like go buy drinks. Um, I'm I'm at a startup. I'm learning. I was getting to do a lot of work. Um, I had deadlines every day. It was I've never worked in like an agency, but I imagine that's kind of what it's like. Is sort of like uh, these these tight deadlines. And um, I remember thinking like I can't go home tonight until I finish this, which doesn't happen as often now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like churning out so much graphic design work. So it was. In hindsight, a really great opportunity because it was sort of like graphic design boot camp where like you're creating an ad for Starbucks and then like one for Axe body spray and like you're changing styles. You like are working in six styles each day, 30 styles a week. It just was like, I really honed, I think, like my visual design and Photoshop skills in that job. Nice. And you got to put socialmedia.com yeah. on your LinkedIn Which profile. everyone is <laughs> always very impressed with. <laughs> I, At first, I was like, is that a joke? <laughs> no. That's a great domain name. We actually had socialmedia.com. Wow. Yeah. That was cool. How long were you there? About nine months. Um, and then what happened? Oh, Wilson. Wilson happened. Wilson, Wilson happened. happened. <laughs> Classic Wilson. Yeah. So I'm at work one day and I uh, was on Twitter and he, I followed Wilson and he had tweeted something like, are there any designers out there that are like willing, you know, it was very self-deprecating as Wilson is. Are there any designers that are willing to sort of work with me and like put themselves through that? Um, reach out to me. And <laughs> I really, on a whim, it's not that like... Might the, that might be the most Wilson minor tweet I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, a classic Wilson. It felt very on a whim to just be like, sure, like he might not get back to me, but uh, why not? So I said, hey, I would love to work with you. And he probably like DM'd me back. Uh, next week we got coffee at Dolores Park Cafe and he looked at some of my work. And I don't remember how much longer, like a month or two later, he said, would you like to come in and uh, be a contractor with us on this thing called RDO? I can't tell you very much about it. He might've told me it was music related. I think that's all I was told. Um, and I said, yeah, of course, like, this is this is kind of like my foot in the door moment. Um, so I said yes, and that's how that happened, and that was awesome. What was that like? Uh, was it as painful working with him as he thought it would be? <laughs> no, of course not. Of course uh, not. Hi, Wilson. All, it was all minor injuries. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. It was okay. Puns. <laughs> You're giving him a lot of credit. That was okay. I really like puns. Um, Josh Puckett can attest to that designer oh, I worked Puckett. with. Yeah. Um, Josh made so much fun of me during our episode. Master of puns. He's really good. And I'm always good for a laugh, as he would say. So I like the puns. So you ended up at RDO. Holy yeah. crap. RDO ended up becoming sort of the... The designer's music The platform. designer's yeah. music platform. I call it... I just updated my adampulselli.com splash screen. Ooh. Oh, I know. I just saw it. And it used to say one of the world's most popular streaming music sites. And now it says one of the world's most beloved streaming music there sites. There you go. Correct. Because uh, it's not going to be very popular anymore. Unfortunately, it's quite sad. Um, but yeah, people people loved it. And it was awesome for a lot of reasons. Got to work with 
Wilson, who's a really, really talented product designer, um, got to work on a product that was really just like fun to work on a music product. I love music. Um, and that was a blast. Uh, and then, yeah, it turned into this great sort of design driven product that the people really, really loved and latched onto. And so people were very, very passionate about it. Yeah. That's a, that had to be like a high pressure thing to work on. Um, I never felt like high pressure. Uh, you I feel just, like I'm messing with something people love. Yeah, I guess a little bit, but I don't know. We just had so many ideas about how we could make listening to music great. And we just wanted to ship as many as we could. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I was there for three years. Um, also got to work with Ryan Sims there. Worked with just a lot of great people there. Um, Malta Sigurdsson, who's at mm -hmm. uh, Stripe now. Um, We've talked to Wilson and Ryan and Malta. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> Was Malta on? Yeah. Cool. I'll have to listen to his episode. Sorry, Malta. Um, it was a blast. I just, I don't know what else to say. It was like- What did you take away from it? A few years worth of pay. <laughs> well, you were there for three years, but I think RDO at a product level yeah. did amazing things, at a yeah. visual level did amazing things. Yeah. Like, what did you take away from that experience? It was such a well-crafted product, right? I think craft is a big thing I took away. Um, we paid a lot of attention to it, uh, possibly too much sometimes. Um, we worked, honestly, differently there than I'd say we work at Dropbox. It was very sort of like um, an intuition-based design. We were kind of building a product that, that we wanted and that we thought we would love and we hoped other people would love too, and a lot of people were loving it. Um, when you look at things, though, a lot of people didn't want to listen to music that way, and so... Um, I think something I took away was just talk to your, talk to users more, um, understand like what, what people want. How, how did you guys approach the cases where you wanted to build something that you would love? Yeah. But maybe it wasn't what your users or the people that used RDO would love. Yeah. How do you, how do you navigate those waters? We kind of didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like your opinionated design led to passionate yeah. users. Yeah. But other people were passionate in the opposite direction. Yeah. That's right? exactly what it was. And so people that shared sort of the, our philosophy, our company's philosophy mm -hmm. and what a music product should be, loved it. And these were these diehard people that like cried when, when it shut down. Uh, yeah. I still hear from them like daily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's all kinds of other people that want to listen to music in other ways. And I think we probably took too long starting to um, cater to them as well so that we could expand our, our the, the number of people that loved the product as much as we did. So you ended up at Dropbox after that? Yes. Did that mindset sort of carry over after you left RDO? Which one, sorry? The, the mindset of like we probably should have moved a little bit faster and mm. maybe asked people a little more what they wanted instead of what we want. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So when I left RDO, we were maybe like 80 or 90 people. When I started at Dropbox, it was 250 people. Um, so was Saleo the one that brought you in? Saleo brought me in. Um, yeah, I think we had we had more product managers at Dropbox. Um, and so there was more of a sense of like, mm, I see. what's the market? What do they want? Um, uh, you know, some research practices were probably like in place, not great ones, but we were talking to people and yeah, but still not like, not what it is now. We weren't super mature still. Why Dropbox? Good question. Um, something that's really important to me is personally a feeling of like always growing, always learning. Um, I don't want to go in and feel like I'm not challenged or not learning new skills that are going to help me out in the future. Um, in this job or whatever else I choose to do in the future. Um, and it just sort of presented a really great opportunity for that um small design team um that Saleo had plans to grow um pretty quickly and it was a chance to get in early and work on this product that uh, already had tons of users that people loved so I'd never worked on a product at that scale um and you know I just got the sense that there it, it was going to present all kinds of new challenges and that just sounded great and yeah, it wasn't much deeper than that. I mean, I used the product every day at RDO, so um, it was, you know, 
I knew what the product was. I had ideas for how I could contribute, I'm sure. And um, Saleo is also just like the best salesman that ever lived. So, who was there at the time? Saleo, Justin, Morgan. Morgan was there. Um, Joshua Jenkins, Eway, who is still there. Um, I think Allison House was there at the time. It was a pretty small team. Um, and Saleo was only advising at the time, I believe, and starting, Interesting. To help, starting to help grow out a team and help the company understand um, the importance of design and help help grow a team that could make design really like a, a staple at Dropbox. So you're at Dropbox? Yes. And you've been there for a few years now? Yep. What are What's on your mind? What's the challenges? Uh, you're changing product direction. Um, tell me a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah, that's definitely one of one of the bigger challenges right now. Um, so maybe like a TLDR for Dropbox's story is, um, it started with this story that Drew tells about being on a bus one day and he was doing some work on his laptop um, and he plugged in his USB and the file wasn't there, like the USB stick didn't work. And so he couldn't do his work and he was kind of screwed or whatever. Um, and that's kind of where Dropbox was born. And it was really just born of this idea of like, it should be easier to have your stuff everywhere at all times. Um, so we were, the original use case was your stuff everywhere, your stuff on all devices. Um, we didn't even have shared folders. I don't know how familiar either of you are, listeners are with Dropbox. Um, well, there's this thing called a shared well, folder. I have heard it's Y Combinator application, <laughs> but. So yeah, there weren't shared yeah. folders. It was you could put stuff into Dropbox and you would see it um, on your any computer on your phone, um, but you couldn't share any of that stuff. So then, I couldn't share any of it because I only had like two gigs of storage for like the longest time. Bad. There you go, bud. That's why you buy Pro. Yeah, I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, I was poor. So, so then we introduced the shared folder because people were like, "Well, I want to share my stuff," and is kind of what unlocked like Dropbox as a collaborative tool, um, a really bare bones one, but one that let you share files with people and work on files with people in real time. And it's gotten us a really long way. Um, and so we're realizing that's like, that's the real value that Dropbox provides. It's a tool that lets people work together to do really cool shit basically. Yeah. Um, make movies, uh, we've heard stories about people using Dropbox to coordinate uh, efforts to save lions in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all kinds of awesome you stuff. You put the lions in the Dropbox and they're synced everywhere. And they're like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> so much more than that. Download them, <laughs> download them in a new location. So what's, you came in super early. Yeah. And it's been previous versions of the lions. <laughs> Revision history. Yeah. <laughs> How how is the work at Dropbox changed? Like the team structure and and the day to day for you over the past few years. So much and in every single way possible. Thanks for that specific answer. <laughs> <laughs> Everything changed. Next question. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, we've gone from two hundred and fifty employees to maybe north of fifteen hundred now. Design team's gone from. When I started, six generalist designers to maybe close to 80 um, on our design team. Um, and at every point as you're growing, you know, the team needs to look a different way to to work for a team of that size and for a company of that size and for a company doing whatever we were trying to do in that in that given moment. So I've seen a lot of change. Um, you know, like I said, we started to specialize Um we started to work much more interdisciplinary rather than sort of have these agency models. Um, that's kind of where we are at today. Um, this started maybe like mid to early last year. We actually like named this movement. Uh, we called it better together or hashtag better together. Um, and it was all about this effort of like setting up these really strong interdisciplinary design teams, um, embedding them on a project and letting them get really deep into the problem they were solving and understanding the user really deeply and working together for a really extended period of time to do great work. And we found that um, just really exceptional product work came out of those teams. So what's an example? Like 
what is an, what is an interdisciplinary team actually mean? Yeah, it usually looks like uh, two, one to two product designers, a design researcher, um, and a writer, and oftentimes someone from the brand team um, who sort of is an expert in our brand, our tone, um, our sort of visual language, and uh, what we're trying to convey um, as a company and as a product. And you put them all together and really just really really good product comes out of that um it's not really surprising um yeah so it's, not like, it's not a revelation but a lot of companies don't work this way and we didn't for a long time um and it can still be challenging you have to have like the numbers you have to be at the size where you can sort of afford to have like um, a bunch of researchers and a bunch of writers like you just can't do that until you hit a certain point but these teams create really good stuff um so we're, we've been trying to lean into that and we're, um, you know, as we're evolving, con- trying to continue to support that. What was it like before, before you had these interdisciplinary teams? Was it just product designers over in one corner, product designing? Um, yeah, basically. And you would pull in people um, later on to consult. You know, you'd pull in a writer and say, we need some copy here. Or you'd pull in an illustrator and say, like, we need a spot illustration for this onboarding screen. Um same with research, we were probably using it. Um, we weren't leveraging it as much as much as you can. Um, we were doing more like, say, you know, usability testing than actual like generative research that helps you understand um, who's out there and what their problems are and what they need from the product. Um, so when you put people together and assign them to a project together and let them work together from day one, let them define the problem together and work all the way from there, um, the results are just way better one of the things i'm interested in and i haven't i've been interested in it in a while but i never got to see it through was how you change your hiring process or design process as Mm. teams continue to double so i just in my head was thinking like you've been through four doubles yeah then at dropbox four doubles yeah five to ten ten to twenty twenty forty yeah yeah Brian, you went through one. You went from one to two. <laughs> I went Good from, start. I went from one to two. Uh, how how has that sort of pretty quick growth yeah. changed the way? Like, when did you switch from from hiring generalists to specialists, and how has that sort of workflow evolved as the team continues to just get bigger and bigger and bigger and double? Yeah, um, it probably the generalist model probably started to reach its limit around like the mid teens 14 to 18 designers um at that point we had started to hire illustrators um was that just like everyone had the same like overlapping skill set more or less or before that yeah yeah um similar at least similar at least yeah there were certainly some people that um were stronger at brand and marketing could go do like really strong visual and communication work Mm -hmm. um but generally we would assign people to anything from i mean you're expected to be able to do like almost anything and so yeah you you just get to the point where you need people that are really good at specific things and you're at the size where you can afford to 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 bring those people on and so i think the first specialty that we needed was illustrators because illustrator had become such a strong component of dropbox's brand um and we needed people that could do that full-time basically from there you know, you just get more thoughtful about how you hire. You you have these like large teams now that need like specific skill sets or solving certain kinds of problems. Um, so, you know, if you have a team that's trying to, we have a team right now that's trying to make our product um, more enterprise ready, basically. Um, and there's some really complex, specific sort of challenges to be solved mm-hmm. there. And you want a certain kind of designer to work on those types of problems. Um, so you just start to get more thoughtful about, uh, what the problems are that you're solving. And it's really a luxury to be able to like, I think, get that specific about like what you're looking for. Um, but some things stay the same. I mean, humble, like we always look for someone that's just humble and like a pleasure to work with and, um, collaborative people that you want to work with. What is the hiring process at Dropbox? How does it work? Uh, it is... It's it's like everywhere else, I'm sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, we get to know you, um, and eventually we decide to bring you on for an interview. I mean, that's really all it is. You don't want to. You don't want to give away the secrets. We hang out for a few months. We're like, 
Walk over for movie night. No, but really, how do you how do you gauge a designer's skill set? How do you how do you handle a boatload of applicants and whittling that down to yeah. the right person for your team? Uh, honestly, I find it I find it so challenging, and it's something that I'm still like learning how to be really great at. Um, it is hiring is like such a skill in itself. It's not just something you can get thrown into and be good at. Um, it's a skill like any other that you need to learn and kind of hone. Um, and I'm still working on it, but we look for stuff like, uh, potential or trajectory. You sort of look at like someone's career and how their work has changed and evolved and hopefully gotten better over time. And you're looking for people that are learning quickly and, um, whose work is getting better all the time. Um, that usually means that it's someone that's going to come in and be able to get even better and do great work. Cause we think we, uh, we think you have a really great environment to do great work. And so if you hire someone that's learns fast, works with other people, well, understands their strengths and weaknesses and is really self-aware about how they need to get better. Um, you know, you bring them in and you set them up for success and you hope you'll see good things if you've done your job well. Yeah. The thing I struggle with is all of that's, so much easier said than done, right? So much easier said than done, yeah. Like in execution, actually identifying self-awareness and identifying trajectory yeah. and identifying that kind of stuff is really hard. Self-awareness is like the hardest thing to measure in the world yeah. though, right? Like, can you? Yeah. People think they have flaws. Do you have like hints? Do they line or, up with what you see? Yeah. It can be as simple as you ask someone, what are your strengths and weaknesses? I'm serious. <laughs> you'll have seen someone's work and you'll have a sense of what you think they might be. Um, you just hope to see someone that understands those things. If you see someone say whose um, visual design skills just aren't great, like they're not going to really be up to our bar. Um, and you ask them like, what do you want to work on? And they're like, well, I feel like pretty solid on visual design. Um, it's just a sign, I guess that that person could be tough to, to teach if they're not even uh, open to the fact that that's what they're not great at or where, they, their can, where yeah. they can do better. Yeah. When you bring in someone that is weaker on, on visuals or on a specific area product, or I don't know, one of the many disciplines of that goes into product design, yeah. how do you put them in a position where they can play to their strengths, but also kind of improve on those things that they're not so great at if they want to do that? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think you just want to be really thoughtful um, about how you place them basically. Um, so you make a call, like we want to hire this person. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. And so you ask yourself, um, what are they going to be really good at and which projects need someone with those strengths? Um, you know, managing complexity. We've got some products where, um, they're basically these tangled messes that you need someone that's willing to jump on and spend like a lot of weeks untangling it. Um, some people aren't willing to do that. Does that mean like systems or? Yeah, I would say a lot of system stuff. Is okay. Like the, the tangly mess type of stuff. Um, some people aren't good at that. Some people just hate that stuff. Design systems are the funnest shit in the world. Like I'm so excited about design systems right now. Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I stayed up till 3 a.m. working on like trying to figure out design systems for like these specific things. Yeah. It's a great feeling to take a mess and then identify yes. like, the component Dude, part. Organization. Yes. Bringing so, harmony to the world. Yeah. It feels good. Totally. It's very satisfying. Uh, but it can be hard if it's, if you're not making, if you're not getting somewhere, you can. <laughs> no doubt there. <laughs> no doubt there. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if we've asked before on the show. Awesome. Drum roll. But it's because you kind of set yourself up for this. So okay. at, where did the last name Paul Sully come what from? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your strengths and weaknesses? Maybe, maybe one of That each. is the most like career interview question <laughs> ever. First of all, Bryn warned you that I would ask job interview questions. Second of all, you set yourself up. I did. Hmm. It can be one. One strength. One strength or one weakness. I would oh. prefer one no, weakness. No, I want both. One each. <laughs> See, Bryn and I, when we interview, we play good cop, bad cop. <laughs> I'm the good cop. Obviously. You're not getting that sense. <laughs> um, I'm the best cop. On the spot, a... You didn't think you'd be in a job interview today, huh? A strength might be... <laughs> Come on, brag about yourself, Adam. Come on. 
There's just so many to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through the dictionary of my strengths. <laughs> Which one sounds best in audio format? Uh, I'm a very... This could probably be a strength and a weakness, but I'm a very um, like rational, logical type of designer. Um, I'm not getting that. You seem very rash. Super rash. Uh, it can be a strength because you just get shit done. And you kind of drive towards like, you get the problem and you just sort of walk logically through it and you get to hopefully a good solution in like a fair amount of time. Um, it can be bad because I think you can miss out on like some moments to be more creative or more innovative or more thoughtful about whatever problem you're solving or whatever solution you're trying to introduce um, because you've sort of followed such like a linear logical way of getting there. Um, so something I'm trying to get better at is, uh, be more creative. Um, did you getting, feel that way? At, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 please. Did you feel that way at RDO where it was such like a, a thoughtful, emotional product? Yeah, a little bit. I think it hurt me sometimes. Um, there are a couple, there was one project I think of that I was on where we were sort of trying to design a new, um, home feed basically um that i was working on for a while and i got really stuck on that one um and i think i needed to be able to sort of like step back and zoom out a bit to be able to better understand kind of like what was happening my like my logical rational way of stepping through the problem wasn't wasn't working for me in that moment um so there you go a strength and a weakness in one Okay. <laughs> it's a weakness. It's really a strength. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a cop audience. Classic please. job interview answer. Yeah. If yeah, you go to an interview, a... don't say that. <laughs> I'm just too rational. I'm sorry. Have real strengths in real My greatest weakness, weakness is that I, I care too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. One of the things we hear fairly often from guests outside of Dropbox is, yeah. what are they doing with all those designers? Mm. Because it's such a low-key product that hides so yeah. well in the background. Yeah. Is was that ever like part of the discussion to like bring it to the foreground? Um how do you mean? We need like, more shit to design. Let's, oh. let's show people that we're actually doing something. No, definitely not. But um yeah, we've heard that question. Um and this is a large part of it, which is that um we are trying to to sort of create more value, which is going to look like foregrounding the, the product a lot more. Um, and that's difficult. Does that mean just to like enable more things or make it a product that you use ambitiously all day, every day, like intentionally. Yeah. Rather than just kind of like a, right. More intentionally. Interesting. Because like are, paper. That's the paper stuff. Yeah. Have you guys tried paper? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I awesome. was a hackpad devotee. Oh, you were? Yeah. Cool. My uh, my first project here in the city, we used hackpad religiously. Yeah. And then uh, we talked to, well, I talked to Raihan on Twitter for a little bit, which sounded pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, I like how you called him Raihan. Huh? Raihan. Is that his name? It's just Ryan. Is it really? Yeah. It is spelled that way. Raihan. It looks like Raihan Hassan. I was like, it's like almost rhyming. Great. <laughs> what a great name. Um, but I mean, that's what I envision yeah. when you say foregrounding is. That's a perfect example. Day-to-day use, yeah. Paper is a product um, that it's it's still finding product market fit, but people that are using it are using it all day, every day. At Dropbox, it's a great example. We're dogfooding the hell out of it, of course. And um, you look at anyone's computer screen at Dropbox and they have like 10 paper tabs open. Um why isn't one enough? One wasting is, paper. One is never enough. Um, yeah, it, it's that sort of, and it's it's good for Dropbox, but it's great for users because it means that they're they're getting stuff done. They're, I mean, Dropbox we're using it to to build the product. Um, it's helping you get your work done, and not just get your work done, but hopefully do better work than you could have done without it. Um, and so, you know, the thought is that. Um, Teams, collaborative teams, uh, just can create better things. You can do better things uh, on a team than you can do by yourself, often case, uh, in, in most cases. So it's about enabling, it's, it's that kind of stuff. I mean, super lofty, but like help 
people and groups of people and teams bring really awesome stuff into the world um, and do it more like do bring more awesome stuff into the world and do it uh, easier and more seamlessly and um, yeah that's that's the dream um, and that can mean so many things and so there's there's a lot of work to be done to understand um, exactly what we should build right we could build a thousand things that we think could help do this but um, it's a lot of work to understand what people really need mm-hmm. um, make sure we're building the right things we want to be really thoughtful as we try to foreground our our app more in in doing that because people do like i said earlier love it um because it is in the background and it does get out of your way and so yeah i already said this but we want to be really thoughtful about how we choose to do that what keeps you up at night two things are coming to mind one is um can dropbox be successful at this um it's going to be hard and there's some complex challenges we feel very up to it but you know, I've been there for three and a half years. I've dedicated a lot of my life to this team and to this product. And um, I don't want to fail. I mean, I think Dropbox is doing incredible, but I have really high, high ambitions for what I want us to accomplish. And it feels like we're just barely like getting there. And so um, I really want us to win in you know, a way that that would feel like we won to me. Um, what else? Where are our next designers going to come from? <laughs> um, so you guys mentioned earlier, like talking about young designers and um, where they're going to school, what they're learning, are they getting the tools they need to like start and do great work on day one? Um, and that isn't often the case. And so, um, yeah, where where's the next sort of generation of designers going to come from? Because it doesn't seem like software is going anywhere. Um, and we need more of us. Yeah, going anywhere upward or going away like downward? Like it's not going to disappear. It's not going to disappear. Okay. I was like, well, I hope it's going upward. <laughs> I hope it's improving. Yeah, so it's not going away. Yeah. Um, those types of things. You know, wanting to like be proud of what you've built and feel like you've spent your day's work for the last three and a half, or if you count all of you know your product design career now six and a half years almost seven doing stuff that mattered Hmm. Um, that keeps me up it keeps you up in a good way like you feel like in a way that's a motivational thing yeah okay in a way that drives me i think um there are certainly days where you're like tired uh that's the insomnia yeah when you didn't get to sleep um the work is hard the problems are hard um what gets you through it is well one like the people you work with um just like getting to work with really really spectacular people at dropbox um and two believing that like what you're doing is gonna matter um i think it already does matter but like long lasting meaning totally understand yeah yeah can't think of a better way to end nice anything you want to plug before you go sure yeah i we are we have always been hiring designers and we continue to try and hire um, more. We've got a lot of spots for um, both young and senior product design talent at Dropbox. Um, yeah, we're hiring. Um, hit you up place on to Twitter. To hit me up on Twitter. It's Adam Pulselli. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, guys. This was fun. It was awesome. That's episode 120. Thank you so much to Adam for coming to hang out with us. You should come hang out with us at our live show uh, at GitHub in San Francisco this Friday. April 15th. Very excited. We just let in 50 more people uh, because GitHub told us we could, which is pretty great. So we're technically at capacity, but if you're in the neighborhood... Hey, the last waitlist, there was like 50 people on the waitlist. They let us let the whole thing in. So keep posted on our Twitter at DesignDetailsFM. We'll definitely be sharing how that live event goes and planning for more live events in San Francisco and the Bay Area in the future. Let us know how you thought of this episode. Uh, Hit us up on our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack or leave us a review on iTunes. We love the comments and critique and feedback coming in through that channel. And every review helps us move up in the charts and helps new people discover the show. So thank you to everyone that's left a review. And if you haven't, uh, take a minute. We really appreciate it. 
Before we go, huge thank you to the two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, Dropbox. We know them, you love them. They know you, your files, take care of them on any file, any device, from wherever you are, with anyone you choose. And it sounds like they're going to be a little more upfront with it. So you'll get to use them for more kinds of things. To learn more, go to dropbox.com. Huge thank you to Dropbox for continuing to make this show possible. We appreciate it. Very much. And of course, thank you to Etsy for making this episode possible. They're hiring. They want you to join them on the product design team in Brooklyn, New York, at a gorgeous office with an amazing low ego, high output, well put together team. They're super awesome. Some of our best friends are there. We couldn't recommend that team highly enough. Very excited to get to work with them in the future. To apply, go to etsy.com slash careers. And of course, tell them we sent you. Thanks so much, Etsy. And we'll see you on Wednesday with Ben DeCock and Bill Labus. 